now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. You're listening to Dads with Swag, where your coach Sean has the tools to help you navigate some of life's ups and downs. Let's do it. Whether you're trying to balance work and life, going through a difficult time in marriage, or trying to manifest that perfect mate, Sean can get you from where you are to where you want to be. Loving husband and dad of two amazing girls, your coach Sean can help you turn your dreams into goals and make them a reality. No more faking change, it's time to start making change with the swaggiest dad of them all, your coach, Sean. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Dads with Swag. We're coming at you live from the swaggiest studios of all, the Dads with Swag studio. I have a special guest live and in studio today, Brett Farmelo, CEO of Marketers. What's up, Brett? How you doing? Hey, what's going on? Hey, uh, good to have you in studio. Uh, Take a couple minutes. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, things like that. Sure. Dad of three, uh, husband of one from uh, Santa Rosa, California, living in Scottsdale for just about half my life now. So uh, spent about 18 years in Sonoma County, 17 years in Arizona. And uh, yeah, like you said, CEO of Marketers, which is a SEO company for small business. Perfect. Perfect. So from the Bay to Arizona, I'm the same thing. I came from San Francisco. Now I'm, I figure you got the orange and black. Uh, yeah, there. orange and Giants colors, my Warriors blanket, my Niners flag hanging Let's outside. Uh, yeah, I still represent the Bay hard every day. Um, and now, yeah, now I'm, I guess, here in Arizona. Florida. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little about the family, wife and kids. Yeah, sure. Uh, two sons and a daughter. Son is seven years old. Daughter's four. Uh, son is one. And my wife and I have been married for about seven years and have been a minivan owner for about one year now. So nice. <laughs> join that club. <laughs> There's another guy from the Bay. Uh, shoot, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I'm going to have to Google it uh, at a break or something. But he basically takes minivans and like soups them up. Uh, I'm talking like 1200 horsepower uh minivans and it's pretty cool and it's all with like different technology and and stuff like that um i'm gonna have to google his name i can't remember what his name is right now it's a it's a different type of name but he's done all kinds of shows uh like on netflix and stuff like that he's been in all these different competitions that's pretty cool because he just takes like the scientific aspect of it all and like just throws down mad horsepower i mean i don't want this whole episode to be about minivans but i will just say that like any technology with a minivan makes your life so much easier like when i press a button and the kids just magically jump in or when you drop that dvd player and they just like start staring it's i mean dads need that it's funny like (laughs) minivans get such a bad rap but they're really very very like useful for a family like typically you know you got the two seats where the kids can just walk straight back to the back so they're not like jumping over yeah. they're not having to get kids out, love it fold down seats parents love it yeah it's but here's, to the, here's the thing no one else loves it like if you start talking about your minivan everyone's like no yeah, i've had like the Dad, same. dads get it though yeah i've had once you have like the challenges of like lifting up strollers into the back of the suv or trying to you know stand up high and get a car seat latched in you get tired of it like it's better to have that low profile 
big wide open side doors both right and left like it's yeah. al- it's also empowering for kids like they could stand up and they're just like yeah like they feel they feel feel like a boss yeah exactly <laughs> exactly all you gotta do is throw some rims and a wrap on that <laughs> so you did a ted talk uh tell us a little bit the the interesting that the thing that stood out to me the most was the eighty eight thousand hours I'm gonna work in my life. Wow, yeah, that's a long time. That, Thanks for the that, reminder. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> that's a big number, man. What um what made you decide to do a TEDx talk? What um you know, kind of how did that go? How how'd that yeah. come to be about? Let, yeah, let me give you some some background on it and just uh, kind of uh, feeding back to your last question, my story. So. When I was graduating school, I was an accounting major, went to University of Arizona, and senior year of college, bought my first suit, was doing all these on-campus interviews and sitting in waiting rooms, and you're kind of like looking around at all these other people, and you're like, what are you interviewing for? And no one really knows what they're going to do with their life, like pretty much any time in life, but especially at college graduation. So I decided to essentially continue interviewing people about the career paths for college students to look at, um, essentially of how people got to where they are. And so I documented all of these career um, path stories on a website f- for people to, to look at. And in order to gather these interviews, went across the country twice in RVs uh, interviewing people about their career path. So we did about 400 interviews over the course of two summers, uh, went everywhere, all, all up and down the country, you know, uh, through the West Coast to the East Coast and to the South. Um, and documenting these career stories. And so that's what the TEDx talk was about, was essentially what are the commonalities of uh, people who are successful in their careers? And, you know, like you said, working those 88,000 hours in their lifetime, that's a hell of a lot of time to, to spend in, you better spend it in enjoyment, right? Yeah, yeah, better do something you love. Um, so one of the things you talked about um, was passion and doing something that you're passionate about. What are you passionate about with marketers? Yeah, small business, I would say, um, and creating a great workplace. So there's two stats that really inspire me on the daily. One is that 80% of small businesses go out of business within the first five years, which to me is like really just a symptom of, hey, we've got this great idea and this great concept, but we just can't connect it to enough people who are willing to pay for it. And so that's what marketers does is we connect uh, small businesses with customers uh, through search engine optimization so that we can kind of reverse that stat. So that's one thing that really inspires me. And then the second thing is Gallup has a survey that that comes out um, year after year and it doesn't really change. And that's that 70% of the American workforce dislikes what they do for a living. So majority of people go to work every single day and a lot of them are actively disengaged. A lot of them are just like passively engaged. And so to me, like that's a huge opportunity of potential, right? And so, um, with marketers and like what I do on the daily and of growing a company is really catered towards that stat of like, can we create a great workplace that people really enjoy coming to so that, um, so that we can impact that stat because, you know, before that I was speaking and I was, you know, going around the country speaking about, uh, these road trips and, you know, I don't really think it made too great of an impact. Like maybe it made an impact in that moment, but to have something that could have something with longevity, like you have to create a company, you have to, you know, have something that's sustainable like that. Yeah, definitely. I was just talking to a good friend of mine, a dad of two and, um, he was having the same challenge. Like he has this great corporate job and you know, he's slowly moved up and, and this, that, and the other thing and makes great money. But 
He's not passionate about it. He's happy, but not passionate. Uh, and he likes the pay. Um, he's, you know, definitely doesn't like the company as much as he, when he started. And he's not, you know, just basically it boils down to passion. He's just not passionate about that job anymore. Uh, and it, it, you can see it like in his eyes and his demeanor and his posture. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, man, how's work going? And uh, it's just like, uh, you know, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> dude, the money must be great to like have to deal, you know, with that. Um, I don't know if there would be, it would have to be like a huge chunk of money for me to have to like, every time someone asks me about what I do to just like fall into <laughs> it. Yeah. It does not, um, doesn't you, bode well. You know, what's crazy though. Like just thinking about your audience a little bit and how, how difficult it is as life goes on to like really do something that you're passionate about. Like, especially when you have kids and like how great of a risk that is like to go and pursue your passion is something that gets thrown out quite a bit and like when you got a couple kids or a family and like that's a big deal you know so like i, I totally sympathize with with that situation because um yeah it's risky and it's hard and Definitely. like you and like you got to start as early as possible yeah. to get yourself in that situation where you're like okay like i'm building something and then that risk isn't as great to, to actually take yeah because it's like what are you going to really do uh you know make sure you save enough money so you can like pay the mortgage and the school tuitions and the this, that, you know, Sads for up. six yeah. months or a year, you, you know, you're probably working like 10 years to save up that year of, you know, capital to be able to say, all right, now I'm going to go figure out what I'm passionate about. And then it's like, okay, now I got to raise the capital to build it or yeah. to do it or and your passions you know, kind of like switch that. a little bit too right like yeah. it, all, of a, all of a sudden it becomes not about so much your, your personal passion and your job it's like all right you know you're very passionate about your kids or your family and like creating these great experiences for for everyone so yeah it's uh it's easy to get caught up yeah and the things that are important like i know for me anytime i look at like a new business opportunity or a new venture uh first thing i look at is how much time is it going to take me out of my house? How much time is it going to take me away from my family? Uh, because those things to me are non-negotiables. Like I'm not traveling. My wife and I have a rule. You know, we don't spend more than three days apart from each other at any given time of the year. Uh, so that's two nights, three days. So um, what type of job, you know, if they're like, well, this is something with travel. Well, where am I going? How long is it going to take to get there? Mm -hmm. How long is it going to take to get back? Am I going to be able to, am I going to miss an acting, you know, performance from one of my daughters or a palm competition or something like that? Because all those things are, you know, my non-negotiables and everybody kind of has those, but they've changed for me. Cause when I first started out in work life, um, I wanted to travel all the time. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Throw some clothes in a duffel bag. I'm out. Um, uh, but then, yeah, you're right. Things change and what you care about changes and your priorities change. Um, why do you work? Yeah, I think it goes back to those same stats that I threw out there. It goes back to also just thinking about what it takes to be a good dad as well, I think. Um, because if you think about it, I was thinking about it on the drive over here. I was thinking about what the hell am I going to talk about? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. The dad's All a swag. My guests, <laughs> you know? and, and I was just thinking about like, what does it take to be a good dad? And, you know, you, 
you have on the obvious, which is spend time with your kids and like be there. But at the same time, it's also like you got to set an example for yourself and really like back up what you're saying in terms of advice. So if you're saying, hey, you know, you could do anything and be anything and like you kind of have to do anything and be anything yourself to to like show that to your kids so that um, so that they can like see your dad succeeding. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a balance of that a little bit of, uh, you know, why do I go to work? Part of it's just personal challenge, but also it's to set the example to show, you know, my two sons and daughter, like, Hey, you could start a business and, um, this is a possibility in life. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, it's funny. The why is always like the biggest challenge for people, you know, to make sure that the why aligns with the ethos of life. Uh, and it's, I have a good buddy of mine, Kevin, who, uh, that's all he goes around and talks about, like the whole travels, the whole world and just talks about like, what's your why? Uh, and it's hard to figure it out sometimes to define like, okay, why do I really work? Or why do I really, you know, want kids or go to all these performances or, you know, why do I really want a house or any of that kind of stuff? It's a, it's a, it's a kind of a trippy thing to ask yourself. Uh, like, what is the why of this? It, it kind of, it's kind of trippy. So if you guys are in the car, you know, driving home from work or driving to work or on a, you know, family trip, think about the why of all the different things. Cause it kind of messes with your mind a little. You're like, it totally messes hmm, with your mind. Why? Why? Why am I really? And you're like, well, no, I thought it was that, but really it might not be that. That might be just like a superficial answer. Let me dig deeper to that. Why? And okay. Deeper to the why it's, it's kind of, it is kind of weird. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break, pay some bills, and we'll be right back. Now back to Dads with Swag with your host, Sean Alfonso. Are you tired of swiping on dating apps? Getting catfished when you show up? Not wanting to leave the house to meet someone? Or just sick of dating the same type of person over and over when you swore this person was different and they turn out to be the same. Contact the date doctor. The date doctor will help you identify your negative dating patterns and help you create new healthy boundaries. In four sessions, you will learn proven skills to meet the person who is perfect for you. Make sure you use the Dads with Swag promo code SWAG and get 50% off the date doctor. Use promo code SWAG and get your 50% off to find that true love of your life. Welcome back to Dads with Swag. Check us out on iTunes and please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We need all the love we can get. You can find all our past episodes on dadswithswag.com. Follow us on social media at your coach Sean. And if you have any questions or show ideas or you want to come on the show, email me at Sean at SeanAlfonso.com. All right, we're back in the studio with Brett. Brett, let's get we're gonna change the subjects a little bit. Let's get into um, you know, this is Dads with Swag. Let's talk a little dad. Tell me how the relationship with your dad has helped you start your own business or model your work-life balance, things like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so my dad, fortunately, just hung out with him for a Niner game, flew back, and uh, 
caught, caught the Vikings and the, the Niners out there. That was cool, and he's actually coming out here for waste management, so so that's pretty fun. Uh, we've always had a great great relationship, uh, to be honest. Uh, he always was my little league coach. He had his own business uh, growing up, which I was fortunate enough to be like the paper shredder. Nice. Of, <laughs> you Tricky, know, job. Slide, slide. Tricky job. Yes, <laughs> right? Ten years old, watch the fingers. Uh, but yeah, like being a part of that environment growing up was huge. Uh, because and it's something that I actively try to involve my kids in as well uh, because the more you involve them in this environment the more normal it becomes to them so that you know a lot of the times if you're looking at the way things go in society and in general you go to school you go to college you go get a job and you've kind of got this path right Um, but it's because that's normal and the thing that's not normal so much is taking a risk in life and starting a business and like doing these things that you think of but you don't really experience too often so the more you're involving kids in that um, the more normal that becomes and then the less of a bigger risk that is Um, so I think that I really got that from my dad you know growing up Um, and yeah and fortunately got to be um, be part of his leadership you know as little league team so every single little league year it's you know looking up to him as a coach and seeing him in a different light outside of your family right because you get to see uh, him interact with with different kids so that's something that I've tried to do as well so uh, coach the Warriors <laughs> as, as a basketball coach kind of out of not a, out of volunteer but showed up for the team meeting and there was no coach and everyone like went around it's like well I'm not going to be the coach so I was the last man standing <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <in>. <laughs> yeah but that's uh you know a lot of inspiration yeah, from him that's cool yeah. um how has your relationship with your dad, other than the little league coaching and being there uh, for your kids to be able to see firsthand mentorship, what are some other uh, parenting philosophies you've gained from your dad, both positive and negative? Because um, I, I think, and a lot of my listeners agree, um, going back generational and generational community is one of the things that we're missing in this day and age. Like, and especially you're probably feeling it as much as I do. Um, you know, my kids don't have that really close every day, every, you know, couple times a week connection with their grandparents or with their cousins or with their aunts and uncles. Cause we're kind of like out here on an Island in Arizona with no immediate family. Um, so there's that huge disconnect. So they don't get that like multi-generational leadership. Um, what are some some parenting philosophies that you've gained from your dad that you are now trying to instill and mimic with, with your current family? Yeah, that's interesting too because I've never really even consciously thought of that, of like what were his philosophies and how has that influenced my parenting philosophy? Um, I guess... You know, you, you mentioned the negative stuff. Like, I don't want to share too much nah, about come it. Come on, but, man. You know. This is dad's <laughs> swag. We have to learn from everything. Yeah. And I think that that's really, that that's it on the head is like, you know, learning from mistakes that have happened, you know, throughout uh, fatherhood. So, and, you know, I mentioned like my parents are divorced. He's been divorced a couple times and, you know, looking at some of those mistakes and learning from that to really serve as motivation to, you know, um, 
influence your own marriage. I think that's, that's really number one. And then number two is also maybe around religion. And like, I don't know if a lot of, um, listeners, you know, grew up in a really religious type of atmosphere, but I think that there's a whole stretch of the mid nineties that I have no cultural recollection of in terms of music of movies, because, you know, grew up in a really religious household where that stuff was not allowed. And then all of a sudden I discovered Tupac and Snoop Dogg and, and, of and, 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 and every, everything yeah. good in life. <laughs> so, but I, I think that's also influenced a bit as well so in terms of like you know really really focusing on your marriage because that has a huge impact on your family and your kids as well as the stuff that you expose your kids to is you know probably part of the parenting yeah yeah um that that it's it's it is true though and all my listeners know especially the people that have been listening for a long time and if you haven't go check out some other episodes uh an episode that i like a lot and it should be up if i'll double check if it's not up i'll throw it up um we have to remember to thank our parents for their fuck-ups like that's important it's important to say thank you for spanking me because now I know not to spank my kid or thank you for locking me out of the house or thank you for being an alcoholic or thank you for being a drug addict because now I've learned, okay, I don't want to go down that path or I don't want to do that. Some of the biggest parenting, at least for me personally, uh, some of the my best parenting philosophies came from my stepdad's fuck ups. Like I definitely, he made a perfect role model of what not to be as a parent. So, um, it really gave me the playbook when people are like, Oh, kids don't come with playbooks. Mine did because I knew exactly what I wasn't going to do. And as long as I don't do that stuff, my kids should grow up to be like 80% functional in the world. Like I'm like, all right, I'm okay. So I didn't have like a what to do book. I just had a what not to do. Like, just don't do that crap. And I should be okay. Um, it's funny. Like you say, you know, you growing up, you were in such a religious household and all that. Um, I was kind of the opposite. Like my grandparents, everybody in my family had faith. Um, my, my grandparents went to church religiously every Sunday, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, like all the time. Uh, but my parents never did. I think maybe cause their parents did too much. Um, so me growing up, I found a refuge in the church because, um, in the mid eighties in San Francisco, there were a lot of gangs developing and the only one place like between my school and my grandma's house where, cause she would take care of me after school. The only place that gangs didn't hang out was the church. So I'm like, well shit, I'm just going to go hang out in that place. And so everything closes, like everything calms down and then I'm going to get back home. Um, so I hung out in the church a lot, like just sitting there doing nothing because there was never anybody there. It was always nice and quiet. I'm a huge introvert. So like being in this huge church all by myself was kind of chill to me. Uh, and I wasn't going to get shot. So it was, it was kind of weird how like that was my refuge, um, to get away from like the violence and all that stuff. And then you had that refuge, but then you found gangster rap and you're like, nice, this is cool. Uh, it's kind of like the opposites meet. Um, cause yeah, San, San Francisco is a way different place now, man. That's uh, man. It's a, it's a long and, way from uh, the mid eighties. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I talk about this with like so many people and I have a good friend, uh, Christina and you and I had talked about her off air. She, you know, was miss Arizona for a while 
and she's in broadcasting and you know she does a lot of mental health awareness well she's now she went from working in broadcasting in arizona to working in fresno uh like an all spanish station which she was really excited about well now she's uh on channel two in san francisco and for years and years I brag about my city. I still brag about my city. Got the Niners flag flying. Like, I rep the Bay. My uh, license plate is SF Dubs. Like, I, my, my, and we go like back generations. Like, my grandfather on my biological dad's side, they, they have my family put up a plaque at the, uh, you know, AT&T Stadium or whatever the, Giants Stadium is called now Pac Bell. I still call it in my head. Sure. Uh, if I don't call it Candlestick, <laughs> um, but it says like from New York Giants to Seal Stadium, Candlestick Park to Pac Bell Park, uh, and then it has like my grandfather's name and all that stuff because he's a diehard. Like traveled with the team, you know, moved the family across yeah, going back the country to New York. for his Giants, <laughs> like crazy. But I love my city. You know, I've owned many businesses in the city. Grew up in the city. I'd love it. It's it's my home. Um, but I was just talking to my to my friend Christina, how like ashamed I am of my city right now. Like when I was growing up, San Francisco was like the pillar of homelessness, like efforts, like taking care of our less fortunate, taking care of are mentally disabled, taking care of our veterans, taking care of our homeless. Like it was, you, yeah, you saw some homeless people around, but they were always well clothed. They were always well fed. Um, you didn't have to worry about it. Like we took great pride in not forgetting those people. And I really love that about the city. I love that about the Bay Area. Um, and over the last like five or 10 years, it's just completely gone like downhill. Like my, my grandmother says, uh, cause the neighborhood that she lives in, it started out like as an Italian neighborhood. And then it went from Italians to Mexicans, from Mexicans to techies. And now she says it's, uh, junkies. So she goes, I've gone from the Italians to the Mexicans, to the techies, to the junkies, and I haven't moved. I'm like, all right, well, good, more power to you, but let's clean this shit up. Like, and I'm not sure what it is, you know, is it politics? Is it, you know, I have my theories and stuff, but it, um, if anybody in leadership in a Bay is listening, fix the shit, just fix it. Don't blame it on anybody. Just, there's plenty of money. There's not enough space. We might have to move people to Oakland, you know, tear down the, the Warriors aren't going back. The Raiders oh, are no. gone. <laughs> Move the A's, you know, further east or something and put some affordable housing. San Francisco and Oakland can go in together. They can work in the city with BART. They can work in Oakland and just build huge affordable housing. I don't know. California's got issues, man. That's, that, that's why we got two Bay Area yeah, refugees out. It's out crazy. I'm like, it, but yeah. I, I am. I'm very actually kind of ashamed and heartbroken of my my hometown. But that's besides the point. Um, so, what are some of the main life lessons that you want to teach your kids? Like, what are some values and characteristics that you're hoping since they're so small now you can still mold them what are some things that you kind of want to mold them to know yeah um 
You know, I wish I had all these answers written down. Maybe I'll listen no, to myself that's on this why, podcast. See, this is the trick. <laughs> have, have this a cheat is the sheet. trick with Dads with Swag. None of the, and the people who listen religiously, they all know. None of the guests come in with um, any idea of the question that we're going to ask. Um, and we And this is the cool part about the show because... Just like if you're hanging out at, you know, a bar or wherever with a buddy having a beer, you're going to talk about stuff like this. Maybe not, but hopefully you will. Um, And when you're raw and you're just open, you're like, all right, I've never thought about the philosophies, but let me think if I can think of a few things right now. Take as much time as you need. Yeah, yeah. So philosophies, I think that the the low-hanging fruit on that one would just be to go do something that you're passionate about, like... I'm very, very um, pro discovery in terms of life, and I'm not going to say no to too many things. Um, I think that the other thing that I've always I've been grappling with pretty seriously is just education in terms of um, paying for college versus going out and discovering um, and creating your own education, especially with the the accessibility of information that's that's out there right so if you take fifty thousand dollars or whatever it costs for for college um <laughs> good one your kids are young per year per year. Yeah, per year not including books or housing yep. yeah like if you take that and you i'm i mean so one of my one of my friends uh he i don't know if you ever uh, have heard of peter Thiel and how he paid mm-hmm. uh i think it was about 20 kids a hundred thousand dollars to drop out of college or to forego college and this is back in like 2013 I think he's done it every year. It's called the, the Teal Fellows. Um, and so three of the first 19 kids were in Phoenix as part of this group. And so I reached out to all three. I was like, hey, this is awesome. I'd love to buy you guys a sandwich. Like, <laughs> this was like yeah. seven years ago. I, I took them to the best Philly cheesesteak sandwich you could get and sat down with all three and talked to them about it. And I've stayed in touch with them over the years. And they've all gone on to do, like, incredible things, you know, like found companies, um, like multi-billion dollar companies going back to this $100,000 investment in them just to say, hey, you don't have to go to college to to get an education. So that's always kind of stuck with me. So in terms of philosophies and, like, how it just goes back to the path, right, of, like, hey, you we're trying to equip you as parents with all the information you need to make the best decisions for yourself. And if that best decision for yourself is to forego college, then great. If it's to go to college and discover it, great. We'll support you either way. But from a uh, philosophy standpoint, I think it's just, it's going back to that root thing that I can't really put a word to, but it's just being like open and paving your own way. Yeah. It's, it's funny because my oldest is a freshman in high school right now. And, um, both of my kids go to private school, which is hugely expensive, Uh, especially because for me, you know, I grew up, in the public school system in San Francisco, which was horrible. And I had a learning disability that like their, their fix for my learning disability was okay. Since he's dyslexic and can't read and write and do math, let's uh, take away his social studies and science and put him in extra English and math classes where I didn't know what the hell I was doing anyways. So would like at, super frustrating. Yeah, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, if I can't read in first period, how the hell am I gonna read in third period? <laughs> like, it doesn't. You should have taken all that away and just put me in music. I'm like, come on, you guys are killing me. Um, but so 
to me, I, that was one of the things that I'm like, okay, my parents really fucked up on education with me. I'm going to make sure that, you know, my kids go to the most academically sound school in all of Arizona. Like I, you know, I, and still people call me a crazy dad. I get parents call me all the time. Hey, what do you think about this school? Cause I still check out schools all the time. Uh, so it, it's kind of like, it's the same thing where it's like, you know, I have friends that are like, no, we, um, are going to, you know, do like what you're saying. Like, here's your, here's your college fund, you know, $250,000. Um, you could either take it, start a business, or you can take it and go to school. Um, the choice is yours. There's no taking it and traveling the world for four years and, you know, blowing it on a Ferrari. It's either you're starting a business. And if, you know, if you want to find yourself for three to six months, here's five grand, go backpack, do it on the cheap, whatever. Um, but then it's either go to school or start a career. And I guess none of them have been poor results for these people that have taken the money that I know personally that have mm -hmm. taken the money and started a small business. And I'm not talking billion dollar businesses. I'm talking small businesses. One is a restaurant and one is a... Uh, like a tree trimming cut down company, um, you know, big forest trees and, or like big trees in your yard. If you need them removed, uh, tree removal, I guess would probably go. be the better explanation <laughs> for that business. Um, but the one thing that both of them have in common is the fear of failure. Like there's no fallback because if that business doesn't work out, then what are you going to do? Uh, because more and more companies, which I'm totally against, and I don't know why this is even there, but more and more companies won't even look at your resume unless you have an undergrad, won't even look at, you know, you can't even get promoted unless you have an MBA or you and I'm like, that doesn't make sense because just because somebody has an MBA doesn't mean they have a strong work ethic. Doesn't mean they have the knowledge to do the job. Doesn't mean that they have the passion to do the job. Uh, they just have this MBA or this college degree. They could have partied for all four years of college. Whereas this dude was running a successful business until, you know, maybe the landlord sold the building and they had to move out or you never know what might have happened. The economy went to shit or something, you know, people, at least the guy who owns a business, it's a Mexican restaurant. I'm like, people are never going to stop eating tacos <laughs> and drinking tequila. I'm like, you're pretty safe. Like probably the worse the economy gets, the more people are going to eat tacos and drink tequila. True. True. <laughs> tacos and tequila help a lot of stuff. Um, so it kind of, that frustrates me. And I think, until that changes in corporate America to where that piece of paper or those pieces of paper aren't valued so much, I think more people will forego college and say, hey, you know what? Why? And it's only a select few of people that are even lucky enough to have the amount of money to send their kids to college. Most kids that are graduating college are graduating with $150,000 in debt. So now it's like, okay, it's not like... I'm starting a business from zero. I'm starting net, like negative yeah, 150 way back, grand. Yeah. Like there's my house and my family, like all these things that we aspire for. But I think the safety of having that, at least me as a parent, because uh, my oldest daughter kind of, and, it, and it's weird, she's gone to such a structured, from preschool all the way up to high school, such a st structured learning environment. Um, she's a little burnt out on school 
and she um she she's really into fashion and, and all that kind of stuff so she's like i think i'm just gonna you know go to fitum or whatever it's called in la which is like this it's a really good school um and you know start a clothing line and i'm like okay that sounds really cool and all but then if that doesn't work out what are you gonna do so why not just go to college for four years and then have that fallback, that just in case, and then go to fit them. Then start your clothing line. Like starting it four years later is not going to really, you know, do that much damage to you. But then on the flip side, I'm like, if that's what she's really passionate about, then why not just start college four years later, right? But then you got the kids and the family and all that. And you're like, would it be really that easy to go? I don't know. It, it's a tough one. That is a tough conundrum because you you want your kids to follow their passions and live their lives. But in the same breath, you're like, but I want you to be secure and safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it's where it's challenging. That's where it gets tough as a dad, right? It does. You know, I, I think uh, I value action. Like going back to uh, your question about like the question of why. Like what, what's your why, what's at the core of why do you work? And a lot of people will just like, so one of my favorite stories that you mentioned that Ted talk, uh, was we visited this goat farm in rural Tennessee. Funniest story. You guys got to check out this. <laughs> uh, do you have, can you throw out the Ted talk? Do you know the title of it? You know what? Instead of the Ted talk, yeah. just Google fainting goat okay fainting goat youtube yeah. and you're gonna see videos of these fainting goats which is at this rural uh goat farm that we went to and we're interviewing this goat farmer and we're asking her about the goats that she breeds and she breeds fainting goats and f these are goats that actually faint they experience fear and they'll uh, literally get a boost of adrenaline in their legs and they can't move and they'll paralyze themselves for about 10 seconds and sometimes they'll fall over until that adrenaline boost uh, subsides and then they're able to walk and whatever. So we didn't believe her. So one of my buddies chased this goat and sure enough, this goat paralyzes and falls over. And what was amazing about this whole thing is that while this is going on, there's like some baby fainting goats that are up against my leg, nuzzling it, whatever, you know, and I'm like, why are these goats fainting? And they're like, oh, well, they haven't learned fear yet. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, you know, so you think about our kids and you think about all this like, you know, hell blazing stuff that they do bouncing on couches and like they're fearless. Right. And it's not until they go through life and they learn fears that sometimes you get really stuck. And so when you think about, you know, oh man, like, why do I work? Or like, what should I do? Should I, should I go to college or should I postpone it four years? Like the thing that I always value is just action and, and just like doing it because it's mu very much like Halloween. You can, you could put on this costume and if it doesn't fit and it sucks, like you can take off that costume and go do something else. Right. So oftentimes it's just like getting in that habit of like, not just sitting there paralyzed and being fearful, but it's going out and, uh, and making stuff happen. Yeah, definitely. And then it's also the experiences, right? Because college um, isn't just about the education. Oh, for you sure. Know? It's about, you know, the sororities or fraternities. I didn't do Greek life, uh, but my wife did. And one of my wife's really good friends, she is like still gung-ho about her sorority. But those connections and those conversations uh, that you could have. And I went to a small college in San Francisco. Um, my wife actually went to U of A. So we have a U of A flag, flag <laughs> fly up here when it's U of A ASU games. But my father-in-law, um, 
he went to ASU and his dad went to ASU and his grandfather went to ASU when it was like the normal school and all this stuff. So they have like lineage and huge athletic boosters. And to see like, to go to like ASU football games and like be with somebody who knows everybody and he like really cares about his school's athletic program. And, you know, he can be anywhere in the world and probably bump into a sun devil or someone will comment on like, Oh, go ASU. Cause they see his hat yeah. or his shirt. Um, it's pretty cool. It's like the same pride I get with like my, when I wear my giants hat, it's like, Oh, go giants. It's like, yeah, cool. Uh, are you from the Bay? It's like automatic conversation starter. And I think part of college is all of that as well. Is it's that experience? Yeah, that it's you a get community. It's like it, the first community that yeah. that you've actually selected in your life. Yeah, right. Because like you go through high school and those those pockets are all weird, and then you get to your your selected community and you're there. Like in your, it's a whole new experience. Yeah, and a, whole you, new, a whole new chapter in someone's life. And you also get to define as well, like kind of how the world's going to see you for a long period of your life, because you know there's a. There's a big difference between, and I'm not bagging on ASU, it's just top of mind because I was just talking about it, but there's a big difference between somebody meeting a stranger and saying, I went to ASU or I went to Stanford, right? They're going to be like, you say you go to Stanford, they're like, oh, you must be a genius. Like, oh, how super smart are you? Like, you could have got in on a scholarship. You could be dumb as rocks. You just like know how to shoot a basketball or hit a golf ball. Like, they have no idea. You know, maybe you're just a really good cheerleader and they needed a cheerleader uh i have a buddy of mine who went to uh usc on a full scholarship just because they needed a drummer and he played you know high school marching band drummer and they needed a drummer he got a full ride i'm like okay how you're not smart enough to go to s like what the hell what are you talking about uh but he was a really good drummer so full ride i'm like that's pretty cool um but you get kind of like pigeonholed for a long period of your time um, you know, like if I'm going to hire a financial advisor, do I want someone who's a Harvard grad or a Scottsdale community college grad? The community college person might be a better investor for me. He might be a hustler, came from nothing, you know, built an empire. The Harvard grad could have lost the family fortune, uh, but it's mm -hmm. still Harvard. It's still yeah. like, Hmm, you yeah. know, you went to Harvard. So it's kind of like that. I don't know. It's like they're picking their community, but they're also picking kind of like an identity for a long period of time. Uh, it's kind of a trip, man. It is. It's definitely education out there, even even with the younger education, as you guys are going to find out. It's like, where do your kids go to school? People judge you by that. Like my daughter, my oldest daughter, she does. She loves dance and she's been in dance um since she was three and we go to this great dance studio in north phoenix called diverse elements um but some kids come from different parts of town because this guy mario and also his wife melissa both of them amazing hip-hop choreographers and mario travels a whole world choreographing everybody's hip-hop routines so people from all over the valley go there uh for hip-hop and my daughter loves mario's hip-hop class loves mario and melissa um but there are other kids that are in her classes or in her dance company or at her dance competitions and they find out what school she goes to and they're like, oh, you go to that rich kid's school. So she like came home. She's like, daddy, I can't go to school there anymore. She goes, people are teasing me. I'm like, hold on. 
I've heard of getting teased for like being poor or <laughs> having holes in your shoes. Like daddy's knows what's been teased about. Like going to a smart kids, rich kids school is not like you can't be too smart. She's like, dad, they tease me that I go to this smart school and we have so much homework and this, that. And I'm like, that's not like, don't be worried about getting teased about that. Yeah. I'm like being teased for being a dummy or a moron. That's something you could get, <laughs> like come to dad and we'll work on it. But so it's, it's kind of weird that even when as a parent, you think you're making this great choice for your kid's life. I guarantee, I can't guarantee it, but I'm pretty sure neither one of my kids will ever send their kids to private school. Never. They will probably send them to like a school that you can wear your pajamas to. They're like, they're like a uniform. If if a school says, oh, your kid has to wear a uniform to go here, they'll probably be like, nope, nope, not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. We're going to take another quick break and then we'll be right back here in a couple minutes, pay some bills. Hey, make sure you guys, when you hear about these people that are sponsoring our show, make sure you guys check them out. All the discounts are legit. Um, and everything that we promote here advertise here on dads with swags i've personally used i can vouch for the companies uh we've had people reach out to us and want us to you know put their products up here talk about their thing and i've given them their money back given back their products if i've used some of them and didn't like them so everything that i talk about here is legit so go ahead and uh trust us on this while we pay these bills all right, guys, I have a way for you to be the hero for the next family vacation or guys trip. Scottsdale, Arizona, golf, spring training, Barrett Jackson, 350 days of fun in the sun, world famous museums, aquariums, and wildlife. And all it takes is one call to GAT. With GAT, you don't have to worry about spending hours on Airbnb just to show up and the house is a dump. We've all been there. All GAT homes are personally verified by the owner of GAT, but it doesn't stop there. GAT can help you with airport transportation, dinner reservations, tea times, recommendations for family fun, or a night out with the fellas. We've all heard about that Scottsdale bottle service. No request is too big or too small. On top of that, you could have GAT do all your grocery shopping so the beer is ice cold and the kids have some snacks, ASAP, so you could jump in that pool, ASAP. So go to girlabouttown.org now and book your next trip that will leave you, your friends, and family with memories that last a lifetime. Once again, that's girlabouttown.org. Let Courtney know Dads with Swag sent you and get a six-pack and some chips on us. Welcome back to Dads with Swag. Check us out on iTunes and please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We need all the love we can get. You can find all our past episodes on dadswithswag.com. Follow us on social media at your coach Sean. And if you have any questions or show ideas or you want to come on the show, email me at Sean at SeanAlfonso.com. All right, welcome back to Dads with Swag. I, I want we're gonna completely change it now from like schools and deep you know, <laughs> deep conversation. Chicken farming. How does one become a backyard chicken farmer? You build a coop. You build a coop. It's that. See, he doesn't joke. Take action, right? Just take action. Just keep moving. You build the coop. Yeah, yeah. I could. Uh, so you probably your question is probably why? Like, wh why have a house in Old Town Scottsdale with chickens? Um, the story with it was my son was born. I wanted to teach him about entrepreneurship. 
wanted him to have his first business at, I think it was age two. And so I uh, decided to get five chickens, which became eight chickens, uh, so that he would have inventory of eggs to go sell to neighbors and we would have these great organic eggs. Um, so that's how it happened. My uncle flew down from uh, Sonoma County. We built a chicken coop in about four days, got those chickens, and then uh, my son started selling Braylon's eggs around the hood for five bucks. So nice. <laughs> he, he, uh, he learned all about making change and uh, keeping customers happy branding he printed out little business cards and always color the little boxes and stuff um yeah and the chickens are still there <laughs> like now four years into it it's not that great of an idea yeah. but in year one and two it was, it was popping yeah that's cool it's funny because my wife would love to have some chickens here in our backyard um we've already ha- we already have desert tortoises and dogs and uh, she would love to have some chickens and we've kind of thought about it, but then we're like, okay, is it going to be like cool for a while? And we're going to eat all these eggs and have all these fresh eggs. But then like, what if we go out of town and there's no one to get the eggs and who's going to eat all the eggs? I'm like, I, and to our, my oldest daughter is, I think she's vegan. Like, I think she was just born vegan. She doesn't like eggs or milk or cheese or meat or anything that comes from an animal, which is weird. Um, because we're carnivore family. Like we've never talked about any of that stuff, but from birth, like she's just never like, I'm not drinking that cow's milk. Like, all right, what, what milk you don't drink? Well, I'm not going to drink any milk. I'll have water. I'm like, all right, fine. She eats her cereal dry. Like just it's, it's weird, but she does eat ice cream. So I'm going to have to bring that up to her. Uh, but she does actually eat a lot of otter pops too, which is weird. Not as much ice cream. Um, but from the Bay, I love It's It's. So we always have It's go. It's on hand. So she eats those sometimes too. That has dairy in it. But okay, I digress. She doesn't eat any eggs. Gotcha. So that pretty much leaves like myself and my wife. And I'm divorced from my first marriage. So the girls are only here part time. Um, so sometimes it's just Megan and I. And we're like, all right. I'm like, babe, we can't eat that many eggs. Like, what are we going to do with all these eggs? But selling them is a good idea. Bees are also another thing that I kind of would like to get, like a little bee. I don't know, man. And I'm completely terrified of like getting stung, but you like, you kind of see like how good they are for the environment. And like where we live, there's a bunch of trees and things that need this pollinization. Like it'd be kind of cool because we got like on the back of our property, we got a little extra land. It'd be nice to have like some chickens and like little beehive there, but I don't know. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but I heard the honeybees are a little bit more tame. I'm not sure. Maybe not. I don't know. But if you keep like the queen, I did some YouTubing, which does. I don't know. Like my brother learned so much shit from YouTube. I learned nothing. I'm like the ADD kicks in. I'm like halfway into bee farming. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. But I didn't get down to like the negative part of it. Uh, I'm just going to get a queen and throw it in this box. It'll be great. (laughs) Get some honey. I was like, I'm like EpiPen all over myself from getting stung so much. Um, So the next, here's another cool thing. I want to jump into the world pillow fighting championship. Um, and I'm, I, it's funny, like how I'm going to have to text Christina cause she's all over this episode. My friend, Christina, that now lives in the Bay. Um, I don't know if she's heard about this or whatever, but I was kind of 
one day just kind of going through her Instagram, like Instagram stories or something. I was sitting on the couch and she had mentioned something about, could somebody open up a pillow fighting gym? Um, but I was like, I'm not listening to this. I kept scrolling, you know, as you kind of do in people's stories. Uh, but then I was reading your thing and I'm like, what Sonoma pillow fighting championship. I'm like, I wonder if Christina was talking about this and wants this to happen all the time. So she wants a pillow fighting gym. Um, but I have no idea. So I got to hit her up and like find out what she meant by pillow fighting. So tell us a little bit about the world pillow fighting Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Heard here first. Uh, unless you want to just, you know, go on the 4th of July to Sonoma County and find out where this park's at and throw a poll there. Yeah. Kind of watched it a little bit on the website, went to the website and kind of read the history and stuff like that. Yeah. It looks really fun. I, the only recommendation that I can make looking at the website is to wear a cup, maybe. It looked like cup is definitely required. <laughs> yeah, suntan lotion and a cup. That's cool, though, because I think that, like, you know, that's that's something that can really help bring, like you said, the community together. I know um, in San Bruno, which is a neighborhood that I lived in for a long time, my brother and I kind of did the same thing, not with pillow fighting, but we had a, a devastating fire in San Bruno where PG&E, which for people not from Northern California is our gas company, um, it just, a pipe exploded, like blew up 40 homes just like within a second and some of those were some of our closest friends homes and stuff uh and we put together a big uh free concert in san bruno park and it's those kind of things that really bring the community together after a tragedy like that um so check it out 2021 the world pillow fighting championship i definitely have a reporter in the bay area that would love to cover the story <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure i don't know what she uh was going through where she wanted to open a pillow fighting gym but um definitely she'll probably love to cover the world pillow fighting championship uh thanks for coming down man we really appreciate having you on uh live in the studio with dads with swag if you guys have uh, some aggression or charitable, you know, giving you want to do, hit up the World Pillow Fighting Championship. If you have a small business or are coming up with a small business, make sure you guys get your SEO at Marketers. Um, ask for Brett. And I found Brett, a funny story, through a modeling friend of wifey's who pet sits our dogs. Uh, so I know he hires really cool employees. So that's, he, I can vouch for that because I let her take care of my house and my dogs. And you guys know how important the pups are to our family. Uh, so check out marketers, ask for Brett. We got the world pillow fighting championship coming in 2021. Or if you, uh, you know, need any tips on chicken farming, you can call Brett at the office and ask him some chicken farming questions or if you want to buy some eggs in the local old town Scottsdale area um, or you know if you live up in Silverleaf or something and you want some really good organic eggs you can drive down to old town Scottsdale and uh, Brett's son would love to sell you some organic eggs thanks a lot for being on the show we really appreciate it you got it and we out Thursday or go to dadswithswag.com and download past episodes.